Welcome to the Doctority Canada Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Sheshav and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institutions. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Veronique Doucette, who is a fourth-year plastic surgery resident at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Veronique grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, and went on to complete her undergrad in chemical engineering at the University of Ottawa, followed by her Master's of Engineering at Laurentian University. She then went on to complete her medical school at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. Her academic interests include hand and microsurgery and surgical education and simulation. Veronique, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I'd love to get started with a big picture overview of what it's like to train at your program. Um, So the University of Manitoba Plastic Surgery Program is a five-year integrated program located in Winnipeg um, in Manitoba. In general, our program is a busy, um, very busy program with very high clinical volume and amazing teaching from uh, some amazing staff. We're a group of 10 residents and just, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Uh, And how much plastics experience uh, do you guys get over the first two years? So in the first two years of our program, similar to other programs in Canada, we spend a lot of time off service. In the first year of the program, first year residents spend two blocks on plastics right at the beginning, typically in the two first months of the summer. Um, And that time is divided um, getting to know um, the team as well as the hospital. And part of that time is spent doing a a surgical foundations boot camp. the juniors or the first years also spend a month doing research, which is plastic surgery research. So a total of three blocks kind of on service and then nine blocks off service that um, is divided uh, in uh, two blocks of general surgery trauma, one block of ENT, one block of ortho hand, one block of ortho trauma, one block of oral surgery or OMFS, um, one block of ophthalmology or oculoplastics. Uh, one block of dermatology, and then one block of pediatric general surgery. There's 13 blocks in total. And then in the second year, most of the time in second year is spent on plastics. Uh, a total of 10 blocks is on service. Five of those blocks are doing junior trauma. Two of those blocks are doing uh, peds. Two blocks doing uh, a rotation at St. Boniface, which is kind of like our general plastics community rotation. And then one block doing uh, junior microsurgery uh, slash anatomy. Um, and then the three last blocks are doing are spent doing off-service rotations. So that's when we do our IC rotations. One block in the medical ICU, one block in the surgical ICU, and then a block in vascular surgery. And, and generally, what's the experience like on the non-plastic services? So generally, it's very good. Um, our off-service rotations, Winnipeg is a big center with kind of a small, small city feel. Most of the rotations that we do are out of Health Sciences Center. And after your first few months um, in Winnipeg, you really do get to know the staff in the hospital and um, the other residents, other physicians. Um, so it's actually quite a lovely experience. You actually get to know more and more people on different services, different wards, um, and you start to see more and more familiar faces. Um, the services that we rotate on are generally very welcoming um, and eager to sort of customize the experience to the specialty that you're in. So for us, the other staff are always sort of mindful that of, of what rotation or what service we come from and 
sort of seek out opportunities for us. Um, some rotations are more service-based um, and some are more relaxed, which I think is similar to other programs. But overall, the first and second year are very well-rounded, um, exciting years. And I know we mentioned a few of the sites that you guys rotate through, but could you tell me a little bit more about all the different sites that the uh, residents will be seeing? Yeah, for sure. So um, most of our residency is spent at Health Sciences Centre. Um, so that's the main hospital in Winnipeg, which services, it's basically um, a high volume trauma centre that um, has a catchment area that includes all of Manitoba, um, some of northwestern Ontario, and then parts of Nunavut. It um, is quite a large, I guess, one building made up of multiple buildings sort of amalgamated, um, which is kind of nice for the winter. You don't have to walk outside when you're walking through the multiple parts of the hospital. But um, yeah, Health Sciences Centre is where we spend most of our residency. We also rotate through St. Boniface, which I've mentioned already. It's our second main centre. Um, where most of the general plastics and community type surgery so happens. So mainly um, breast, body contouring, hand, and some minor reconstruction. More recently, in the last few months, um, with um, a new staff that started working at our center, there's been some more complex uh, reconstruction and some micro happening at St. Boniface, but that's new. Um, there's a small inpatient load at St. Boniface, typically um, uh, just a few patients uh, maximum sort of admitted at a given time. Uh, most of our inpatients are located at Health Sciences Centre. And then there's a few um, surgical centers that we also rotate through. So Pan Am Center is uh, where we rotate um, on hand, peripheral nerve and wrist rotations. And then sometimes we go there doing some general plastics. And then other uh, centers that we don't uh, rotate through as often uh, include Victoria Hospital. There's some general plastics and community surgery that happens there. And then there's some private surgical centers. Uh, First Glance is a private cosmetic center where we do our cosmetic rotation in fifth year. And then there's also Western Surgery Center and Maple Surgery Center where some a combination of public and private procedures happen. So yeah, lots of centers, but mainly... They're all sort of located in Winnipeg and within sort of 10 to 20 minutes of driving distance between each of them. So it's um, not too bad. All of our rotations happen in Winnipeg. And are there any fellows at your program? There's, yes. Yeah, so currently there's two fellowship programs uh, here. One of them is fairly new. Dr. Isler started a cosmetic surgery program, which has not... Um, I think they're anticipating um, having fellows in the near future. Um, currently, there's just um, Dr. Bouchel's uh, microsurgery fellowship program, which is a six-month uh, fellowship program. Uh, so there's typically only one fellow here um, at a time doing microsurgery with Dr. Bouchel, um, which doesn't really, I think it's nice to interact with the fellow and get um, some extra teaching from the fellow and to sort of learn a little bit about different centers or what their experience has been like. Um, but in general, um, there's usually two micro ORs going on um, on Mondays and Tuesdays, which are sort of Dr. Bouchel and Haikawa's OR days, or two of our micro staff. And uh, there's plenty of microsurgery to go around. So the fellow being there doesn't really impact our resident experience. If anything, it just adds to it. That's good. So changing gears a bit, uh, what kind of research opportunities are available? There's definitely lots of research um, going on in Manitoba. 
there um, is becoming to be more of a focus on uh, on research in our program. We have lots of staff that uh, do some research in sort of different areas of plastic surgery, namely uh, microsurgery, hand, wrist, as well as surgical innovation and uh, education. We have a, a research uh, committee that we all the residents meet with individually on regular uh, intervals throughout the year. And we're, residents are expected to be working on a research project at every stage of residency. And we get through these meetings with the research committee, we get lots of guidance and support um, from our staff about finding new research ideas or accessing resources or getting help with statistics or ideas of where to present or publish our work. So it's the support is quite good. And you can do, I think our program is a program where if you want to do lots of research, you can go out and do as much as you want. But the sort of minimum is expectation is that you have something on the go and that um, I think you have to publish one paper, um, sort of take one project through the whole process of design, sort of finishing the project and then publishing and presenting and all that stuff. And uh, what kind of support is available for presenting research? Um, so there's uh, funding to travel um, to conferences if uh, for residents with research accepted to conferences. And there's obviously the support of our staff um, with whom we do the research with in terms of sort of reviewing presentations or preparing for presentations. But yeah, unfortunately, because of COVID recently, we haven't had to um, <laughs> we haven't had the opportunity to travel for conferences. But yeah, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to take up that uh, those opportunities. And have you noticed any limitations on the support that you can get for research? No, I would say that if anything, our program is pretty, I guess, flexible in terms of providing us with support if we want to do something that hasn't been done before or um, access resources that aren't typically there. Um, so I think people are pretty receptive in terms of if you need more support to get it. Okay, now switching gears again, uh, what's call like? Uh, so call is pretty busy in Winnipeg. Um, it's We're a pretty high volume center. So again, like I mentioned earlier, a pretty uh, big catchment area. So um, we see uh, lots and lots of trauma here. Call can be variable. So it can go from very, very busy days and nights. Uh, typically in the summer is our busiest time during that peak trauma season to some less busy nights here and there. Um, we're typically two residents on call, um, on a, uh, like at a single, on a single day or night. Um, so a junior and a senior, uh, the junior's responsible for taking in-house calls. Um, so from health sciences center and St. Boniface, those are the two centers that we physically go to on call. Um, and then the senior resident takes outside calls and both residents work together as a team to tackle consults and emergency ORs and stuff like that. And it's kind of like a mentorship relationship. The junior helps or the senior helps the junior out and sort of teaches and uh, the junior as they sort of move through residency, get to do more and more things independently. What else about call? Yeah, we I mean, we can see there's crazy things we see on call here. I feel like the stuff that happens in this province sometimes is very interesting. <laughs> so there's definitely, as much as call is busy, you do get to see these really cool cases on call, which kind of make up for the, the craziness sometimes. And what is the allied primary health practitioner support like? So 
I think that our biggest um, support to our team here or one of the biggest supports is our, our nurses. Um, our ward nurses are exceptional. Some of them, some of the charge nurses that we have here in Winnipeg have been um, plastics charge nurses or nurses in this department for over 20 years, monitoring flaps and burns or treating burns. Um, so their experience is just amazing. And um, they teach us so much, as especially as junior residents, um, when you're sort of starting out. Um, when the nurses call you about an issue about a flap, they know what they're talking about and there's actually an issue about the flap. They overall make our, our job um, a lot easier during the day and on call. Um, so they're definitely an asset. In the clinic as well, we uh, our resident clinic here, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but um, the nurses that work in our resident clinic um, and in the, cl- the staff clinics have many, many years of experience. So they're invaluable resources. Um, in general, the the feel is like it's a feel of a small team. So you kind of get to know everyone very well and everyone's very supportive. We also have PAs here in Winnipeg, which I think is uh, unique. Uh, most of our PAs in plastics are uh, surgical PAs. So we have two PAs that work with our microsurgeons and they help out with all the micro cases. Um, the benefit to residents is that they help close the donor site so that we get to do micro, um, which is really good. Um, and the PAs are also amazing teachers, especially for junior residents in terms of learning how to operate, learning how to suture, sort of teaching you the ropes. They also, the PAs, uh, we have other PAs that also help out with um, trauma ORs or burn ORs when uh, trauma residents aren't available. Um, We also have PAs helping out in clinic, um, which help run the clinic, um, as well as local procedures. Um, So PAs are definitely an asset in our program and kind of help with this sort of repetitive things that once, as residents, once you sort of learn how to master a skill, um, if you want to move on to the next step, the PA can be there to sometimes do the parts that um, we've already sort of mastered. Okay, so now switching gears again, you mentioned this briefly um, twice now about the resident clinic. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I think this is a unique thing to our program. I know other programs in Canada have a resident clinic, but um, our resident clinic is runs all the time, basically from Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to uh, 4 p.m. Our resident clinic is open. And um, I mentioned call in Winnipeg is busy. Um, well, this resident clinic makes call a lot more manageable and a lot better in our resident clinic. So we basically defer all non-urgent, non-urgent to semi-urgent um, consults that we get um, on call to the resident clinic so that we can see things like Metacar are like finger fractures, um, flexor tendons, extensor tendons, like all these things we see in the daytime and not in the middle of the night. So leaving sort of the the night for the urgent consults. The resident clinic is run by uh, typically the a second year resident, which is uh, a great opportunity for the second years, which are just starting on service, to learn how to manage all these um, consults. Um, in a sort of nice controlled environment with a trauma staff supervising. 
And uh, the R2 quickly learns um, how to become independent. Um, so the resident clinic is uh, for the R2 to sort of lead uh, with uh, supervising staff sort of uh, close by. But you do learn to uh, become independent quite quickly and you get lots of autonomy, which is really good. Um, so we see anything from hand trauma, craniofacial trauma, lacerations, complex facial lacerations, tendons, and burns, frostbites. And we... Uh, more recently have sort of pushed the limit of the amount of procedures that we do in this clinic. So as the R2 now, you're learning how to fix flexor tendons, fix extensor tendons. Um, we do K-wires for um, metacarpal and phalangeal fractures, all under local anesthetic. We repair nerves, so on. I feel like we have really pushed the envelope of how much we do um, in the resident clinic under local anesthetic, which is great for patients and great. Um, I mean, in terms of the service that we provide to patients, they don't have to wait for days on the emergency list. Another thing that sort of has uh, advanced our resident clinic and how much we do under local is we've started doing ultrasound guided blocks in the clinic. So that sort of pushes or helps us uh, do more complex procedures or more um, extensive procedures under local anesthetic. Um, the clinic is currently being renovated, so we're currently in a sort of temporary hallway, but after the renovations, which are expected to be done um, fairly soon, um, sort of in the next year, um, we'll have more clinic space, but most important or most exciting, we're going to have some mini surgical suites. Um, so we're going to be able to do sort of more minor surgery under local anesthetic. Yeah. Which will be exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. And over the course of the residency, um, are there opportunities for elective rotations? There are, yeah. So we uh, have time reserved for electives. Uh, typically in our fourth or fifth year, uh, we typically get uh, a total of four weeks of electives that we can use up either to explore fellowship opportunities or potential like job opportunities. And uh, there is some flexibility in terms of when we want to use it and where we want to go. Um, so our program director is fairly flexible with um, scheduling these. And COVID aside, um, are there uh, accommodations available for global rotations or trips? Not sort of, not formally. And I don't think it's been done sort of in the last little while um, that I, since I've been a resident, but um, our program director and our program in general are fairly flexible. So I think if a resident felt strongly about doing uh, a rotation of that sort, I think it would be um, supported. And what's the cosmetic experience like? Um, so cosmetic surgery, we do a three-month block um, in our fifth year. Um, and we mainly spend that time at First Glance uh, Cosmetic Clinic, which is a private clinic owned by Dr. Isler. At First Glance, we see sort of the whole, the full spectrum of cosmetic surgery. So face, facial aesthetics, um, breast, body contouring. There's also a cosmetic urologist and gynecologist who work out of that clinic. So we get to work with um, those specialists as well. Um, so our rotation at First Glance is is well-rounded and, and quite good. And we do it as a senior resident to sort of maximize our experience. In our fifth year, there is some time available to sort of float around. So it's sort of time where you're kind of get to be responsible for your own learning and decide sort of what you want to see more of. So there is an opportunity to spend more time doing cosmetic surgery if that's what a, a resident 
sort of wanted to see more of. Is there a resident cosmetic clinic? Yeah, no. So we don't have one set up. There is. I haven't done my ro- my cosmetic rotation yet, but as far as I um, know from previous residents, I think there is an opportunity during that cosmetic rotation to see sort of your own consults under the supervision of, of Dr. Isler, who's the supervisor for that rotation, and then to sort of see those patients through to the OR. So it's not per se um, like a resident cosmetic clinic. But you do kind of get an opportunity to do your own sort of consults and to go through sort of the decision process with the patient and then to follow through with surgery. So it's kind of like an in-between scenario that we have. And is there experience with gender affirmation surgery? Uh, Not yet, but um, I know that's a thing that our program is hoping to expand on. Um, So hopefully soon. And uh, are there any other perks about your program that you'd like to share that we haven't already touched upon? Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Please do. So there's, um, I was thinking about some of these things, um, thinking about the program earlier today. So I think one of the things that most people in my life at least are envious of um, are journal clubs. Uh, So we have journal club every month um, and we typically have our journal clubs at some of the, some very nice restaurants in Winnipeg. Um, So on a monthly basis, we get to dress up, (laughs) go have a nice meal, once in a while we have to present, but you still get to sort of enjoy a nice meal in a nice restaurant. And yeah, listen to uh, what's new in plastic surgery, which is exciting. So that's one of the perks. We also, um, so we spoke about R4 a little bit. Um, up on R4, we have a microscope um, that is set up in a simulation lab that we get to use sort of whenever it's free to practice. Um, our program director is big into surgical innovation and 3D printing. Um, And he has 3D printed um, some uh, micro vessels um, that we have up there with a set of sort of micro instruments from the OR. So whenever we, like we do have um, simulation sessions built into our curriculum, but there's also the opportunity to practice microsurgery skills and other skills in the simulation lab during and outside sort of normal, regular uh, work hours. Um, which is a plus um, about surgical simulation. So uh, like I mentioned, Dr. Petropolis, our program director, is very um, into uh, surgical innovation and 3D printing. Um, our program has acquired 10 3D printers. Um, so each resident has access um, to a 3D printer. And we've had these simulation uh, simulation sessions, again, built into our curriculum. So where we've learned how to 3D print. Um, and we have each have our own 3D printer at home where we can uh, practice basic 3D printing, doing whatever. Um, and ultimately, as we move on through our residency, we learn how to model um, cases for the OR, which is which is a really good skill to be able to develop. And um, Dr. Petropoulos is very supportive in teaching us those skills. So that's um, something special about our program. And uh, overall, what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? I think our program is uh, overall quite well-rounded and strong. Um, We're so busy that we end up seeing so much that we finish as well-rounded, strong surgeons, independent, able to tackle whatever comes through the door. But I think um, our biggest strength for sure is microsurgery. We I think that's what we're 
our program is is somewhat known for as well. We spend quite a bit of time doing uh, microsurgery under the under the wings of our amazing microsurgeons that we have here, where we become independent. Um, and most residents finishing our program are able to do basic microsurgery on their own without a fellowship, which is, I think, unique to uh, compared to the some of the other programs in Canada. Yeah, so if you want to learn microsurgery, come to Winnipeg. <laughs> and if you could, how would you improve your program? It's hard to say. There's been a lot of change in our program, um, at least since I've been a resident. Um, so it's it's hard to say if there's there's not something specifically that I can think of that we would need that we need to improve right now. There's honestly there's a lot of things that are in being improved and being addressed. So it's hard to um, name something specifically. But since I've been a resident, Dr. Petropoulos has been our program director, and he's done so much work trying to uh, improve an already strong program um, to make it even better. We've gone from having sort of semi-disorganized academic uh, days or academic uh, lectures to a more structured academic day schedule with protected time and a rotating uh, curriculum with uh, regular practice, uh, written and oral exams, more simulation sessions. Um, all the simulation sessions that I was talking about are new since I've been a resident. Um, some cadaver sessions, and especially with competency by design. So with that being implemented, I think that's brought on a lot of change in our program for the better. So honestly, I think our program has changed quite a bit and it's a very strong program that's definitely worth considering uh, if you're a medical student. Uh, so now I'd love to transition a bit and hear more about the leadership. So we've already talked a little bit about uh, the program director, but if there's anything else you want to add or add about the, the chief of the program. Yeah, so the chief of our program is Dr. Jennifer Jufri. She is a hand, peripheral nerve, and wrist surgeon based out of um, Health Sciences Center in Pan Am. Um, she is an absolute um, amazing teacher and very good leader. Um, she is new uh, into this role. She just uh, became our chief um, this fall. Prior to her, it was Dr. Bouchel, who uh, is one of our microsurgeons here um, and sort of uh, always on the go, busy doing a million things. He is no longer the chair of our department, but he is the head of the Department of Surgery. So although he doesn't uh, lead our section anymore, he still uh, represents uh, or plastic surgery as well represented, in other words, um, at higher levels um, in the department as well as the province. In terms of our leadership, I think we'll, we're well represented um, and have some good people leading our department that actually that care about residents and care about patients and care about the other staff. Um, are there any other staff that you wanted to highlight? Uh, yeah, so, well, we have a big, um, a big department. So most of, I've talked about most of the sites. So at Health Sciences Center is sort of our trauma center where all the microsurgery happens. So that's where Dr. Petropoulos is based out of, um, our program director, as well as, um, uh, Dr. Bouchel and Dr. Hayakawa, which, um, do most of the, uh, breast microsurgery. There's also Dr. Sigurdsson based out of, um, Health Sciences Center who does, uh, craniofacial as well as, um, some microsurgery, some general plastics, some reconstruction. He could probably do anything. And, uh, Dr. Price is a new staff, um, that started working here in the last year. Uh, he does some general plastics, some reconstruction as well as some micro. 
He also works out of St. Boniface. So St. Boniface, our second center, has Dr. Price, um, as well as Dr. Mitchell, who does lots of body contouring and breast surgery, uh, and Dr. Murray. At um, first glance, I already mentioned Dr. Um, Isler, as well as uh, Dr. Isler is, does lots of body contouring and breast surgery. He was our previous um, program director. He's uh, an excellent teacher and uh, really makes our cosmetic surgery rotation a great learning opportunity. Um, there's also Dr. Brickacek at uh, first glance who um, specializes in craniofacial and facial aesthetics. Um, so he's another um, one of our staff. In terms of our PED staff, Dr. McGregor is um, our main pediatric plastic surgeon here, and she does uh, craniofacial uh, pediatric plastic surgery, so clefts, uh, the craniosynostosis cases, and um, some general PEDS plastics. And then Dr. Jufri, I mentioned at first uh, at uh, sorry Pan Am. We also have some uh, community staff, I won't name them all, but that work out of um, either St. Boniface or Western Surgery Center and Victoria uh, Hospital. Um, but the staff I named are sort of the main teachers in our program. There's definitely way more staff uh, than residents, which means that there's lots of people to learn from and uh, residents are typically one-on-one -on -one with staff, which is great. Can you tell me about a time when you or another resident may have brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded? I feel like there, this, the in general, the um, program is very receptive to what uh, residents experience and in terms of try to make things easier for us. Um, an example that I can, a few years ago, I was um, on the resident, uh, the residency program committee, which is a, a committee that meets um, a few uh, regularly throughout the year um, and residents are represented um, and we sort of talk about residency uh, issues and uh, um, so on um, and I'm not sure how it is everywhere but we um, on call so we do a home call here in Winnipeg and um, for the longest time we did not have any access to electronic medical records at home or so otherwise like other than at the hospital um so at the residency program one of these committee meetings um myself and the other rep resident representative brought up this issue that um other programs have access to epr at home it'd be i don't know useful and nice to be able to uh, review blood work and imaging and and so on on the computer at home so that was brought up to the program and sort of after justifying and explaining sort of our point of view, um, they actually, everyone, yeah, was in agreement, agreement that it would make our lives a lot easier and sort of would be better ultimately for patient care and sort of better access to information. So we ended up um, getting uh, EPR at home through all of that. But I think in general, um, our program really listens to what we have to say and um, they do really care for education. So whatever sort of make things easier for learning or for uh, teaching, uh, the staff are very receptive. And what kind of roles do residents play in department decision making? So for example, choosing new residents. Um, so in terms of this, so we are, residents are involved in selecting medical students for our program. And that's mainly through our uh, residency program committee. Um, so the resident that sits on that committee typically is involved in uh, reviewing the files uh, as well as interviewing uh, medical students for residency positions. 
which is great because I feel like um, as residents, the medical or the new residents coming in are going to be part of our team. So it's important for us to have to be able to be uh, to be involved um, in selecting sort of our future team members. And overall, how would you describe the relationship or culture amongst the residents? So we're a small, we're a fairly small program uh, here. We're 10 residents total. So I would say that the culture um, in our program is very collegial, very friendly. We're kind of like a, a big family. Um, we, because we're a small program, we get to know each other pretty well. And uh, because we're also such a busy program, we learn to sort of help each other out and rely on each other and really um, form that t- team dynamic. So I would say overall, we all get along very well um, and we like working with each other. And uh, you truly get to know people pretty well, um, spending uh, this time together in such a small group. And uh, yeah, no, I think, and that sort of extends to the staff, like we're a small department as well. So you really get to know the staff and and the other residents. And it does really feel like a big family where the staff are sort of our parents and we're the kids and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely very pleasant. um, And it's been a great experience doing residency here so far. That's really good to hear. And now I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, the logistics of how residents live. Do most residents own or rent? So I'd say it's um, divided. I think most of the residents are renting, but some of the residents do own. Winnipeg is overall a fairly affordable place um, to buy a house. so some of our residents own a house. So it's, it sort of depends on sort of personal preference, I would say. And I know we touched upon this briefly in the start, but what's the commute like from where most residents live to the different sites? Is it necessary to have a car? Uh, so the commute, I would say most residents. So in general, the area we spend most of our time at HSC the area directly around HSC is not the safest in uh, Winnipeg and not the friendliest. So most of us live slightly out, like a little bit further away from the hospital, but obviously not too far because we do home call. So most of us live between 10 to 20 minutes away from, from the hospital. Um, a lot of residents live in Osborne Village, which is about maybe 10, 15 minutes from the hospital. It's a great sort of little neighborhood with restaurants and shops and grocery store and it's close to sort of a more residential area so there's lots of beautiful streets to go running or walking um and uh still close enough to downtown and the forks and stuff like that so there's lots of things to do so that's where most of i would say the residents live in apartments there's also um few residents living in river heights I'm renting a house with my partner here in River Heights, and um, it's, again, fairly close to the hospital, about 10, 15 minutes uh, driving distance, um, and it's a nice, safe neighborhood that's quite pleasant to live in. Yeah, there's also downtown, the Exchange District is also a really cool place to live here in Winnipeg with lots of historic buildings and kind of exposed brick, sort of loft type apartments. Yeah, there's, I think Winnipeg is overall a fairly affordable place. If you want to live in a high rise with in the penthouse, you can. Uh, if you want to live in a cool lofty apartment, you can. If you want to rent a house or own a house, you also can. So it's um, lots of options in terms of where to live. And uh, are you ever in a situation where you have to go to multiple sites in one day or within one rotation? Or is it generally one site, one rotation? 
So yes. So back to your question about the car, um, I would say a car is necessary to do residency here. Unfortunately, um, the transit system is not, I don't think really amenable to the lifestyle of a resident. Unfortunately, we often do have to travel because most of our call is at Health Sciences Centre. If you're on call, you're typically um, rounding at Health Sciences Centre, just so you know the patients. So that if you're on a rotation that's not at Health Sciences Centre, you often have to drive to Health Sciences Centre in the morning for rounds and then make your way to your other site for the day. Um, so there is sometimes a need to drive from one site to another uh, in the same day. But most of the sites, um, like I was mentioning earlier, are fairly close um, in proximity. So maybe 10, 20 minutes max of driving sort of in between places. But for the most part, if like for most of the, your residency, you're at Health Sciences Centre. So you're driving to one site and staying there all day and then uh, going home. So it it sort of depends. But Winnipeg's not a big place. So it's not like driving in traffic and sitting in your car for hours. It's pretty uh, quick. And what's the breakdown of residents in terms of people being single, married, or having kids? Um, that's also sort of divided. There's, uh, I believe, two of our residents are married. One of our residents uh, is married with kids. Um, she had uh, a few pregnancies in residency. And the rest of our residents are um, single. But most, I would say, like, the major, like a good proportion are in relationships so again, it's kind of a mixed bag. And and what do you like about living in Winnipeg? Um, so I never had come here before doing an elective in Winnipeg. So I'm not from here and had never been. And I was quite surprised by Winnipeg when I came here on elective, although I didn't really get to know the city well. But since living here um, for the past four years, Winnipeg is kind of, it's a bigger city with sort of a small town feel. People are very friendly, like friendly Manitoba is true. Um, (laughs) There's lots of things to do. The hospital is of a nice size and the staff are very nice. People are, I feel like overall very welcoming. And um, there's lots of things to do here, even though it's not sort of by the ocean or in the mountains. There's lots to do to keep busy um, during the summer, during the winter. Um, lots of great restaurants here. Um, yeah. So that's most of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, are there any final thoughts about either your program or about the process of choosing a residency that you wanted to talk about? I think uh, in general, unfortunately, because of COVID, most medical students aren't able to come here on elective. But I think Winnipeg is um, a program that is worth thinking about, especially if for people that are looking for a busy program that uh, will train them to become a well-rounded, independent surgeon, especially for people interested in in microsurgery. I think this is a great program to get the basics of doing microsurgery. Yeah, I think if like if people are able to, coming to Winnipeg was for me the reason after experiencing the program, that's how I decided I wanted to come here. I came from a smaller medical school. Um, I did medical school at NOSM and um, Winnipeg kind of had that similar feel where there's not a lot of other, there's not a, like, there's a lot of opportunity to, to work and be busy and um, get sort of one-on-one teaching kind of like I had in medical school. Um, there's not a ton of fellows here. There's just one. You get lots and lots of operating time 
lots of independence, early surgical exposure right away, and so many opportunities to learn and to to be involved in really unique cases. Um, so I think, yeah, Winnipeg is worth uh, a thought and uh, a visit on elective if once we're able to do electives again. And I think in terms of just um, being a medical student interested in plastics, I think uh, even though it's hard field to get into and can be competitive some years, um, just be yourself and work hard. And I feel like good people end up getting uh, being able to do what they like. So I think if you're just yourself and you work hard and you like what you're doing, that'll show and uh, everything will sort of work out the way it's supposed to. And uh, finally, I'd like to end with a question for our listeners. Could you please ask our listeners your favorite uh, pimping question? Oh, um, thank you for listening I think to the, the one I Canada usually ask, and I feel like because this comes up Never on miss all an the time, by subscribing but what are the four signs of your flexitudinous platform and following us well, on Instagram Thank you so much for speaking with me for today, Brent. Uh, I really, really appreciate your time, and I'm sure Check the listeners will uh, also co. gain a lot of valuable That's information. That's It was nice talking to you. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions and suggestions. At this point, I'd like to give credit to Jenna Stair for founding Doctority and making all of this possible. Anyways, thanks again for listening. See you all next time.